What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is The Complete Center's Guide. If you have never heard this show before, I am your host, Tyler Fowler. And with me, as always, my co-host, Noah J. Chalaya. What is going on, brother man? Hey, Tyler. It's uh, We're going into a holiday weekend, and I could not be happier or more relieved. It's I uh, Walking outside, you can really see God working. Tell me about it. Like, God has been working in my life this whole week. I feel it, man. And I and I am thankful for the holidays. Like, we had to work a little bit late tonight. And I'm just so thankful to be able to rest because we put in about roughly 12 hours today. And, man, let me tell you something. Working on train cars for 12 hours is not fun. But tonight, we've got such an interesting discussion. And I've got two guys with me, uh, Ty Brillhart, Austin Griffin. And we're going to discuss aliens and angels, and we're going to see if there's a connection. We're going to bring up Aleister Crowley tonight. Aleister Crowley was an occultist who is very famous for saying a quote, and I'll quote that later. But he's also famous for something else that we're going to be discussing a little bit tonight. And that, as, as you guys might know, if you are dealing with the occult, you're dealing with demons. And Aleister Crowley is famous, or infamous, however you want to look at that, for supposedly, now these are in his journals, he's got drawings, but he supposedly summoned this demon named Lamb, L-A-M. And you can Google this. I wish we had video going on so I could actually show you guys a picture. But Lamb looks like what people describe as alien greys. Now we're going to get into whether aliens are biblical or if these are angels or demons or how everything's going to work. But I want to introduce my two special guests tonight. One, you've heard him before. He's been on the show multiple times. Uh, Mr. Ty Brillhart. What is going on, brother, man? How's your week been going? So far, so good, man. How are you? Good, bro. Good. Just like I said earlier, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Uh, oh, this is yeah. going to be a this is going to be a fun CSG's 50th episode tonight, so That's it's going to be yeah, it is man. Thank yeah. you so much, dude. Thank you so. I mean, you've been on the show how many times? Like six or seven. So we wouldn't be at 50 without you, bro. So thank you so much <laughs> for everything you've contributed, man. What What's your plans for this weekend, brother? Well, my wife's camping with her family, and I'm thinking about going up there tomorrow just to kind of spend the day. My father-in-law built a, a shooting range on the property that they own, so we're probably mm. going to go shoot some stuff but uh, other than that i've just kind of come home have a chill weekend maybe clean the house for my wife as a you know a mm-hmm. gift for her since there you she's, go uh, where our babies are coming in two months congrats twins ty yep. is having twins and and now twin again girls. ty girl twin <laughs> girls okay so correct me if i'm wrong but this is your first well we we thought it was going to be a first baby but you found out that you were having twins but this is your first two children right this is our first rodeo, yes. Congrats, brother. You are Thanks. in for a treat. <laughs> I've got one, man, so I can only imagine double trouble, brother. So, But without further ado, Austin Griffin, you've never been on the show, brother. So tell a little bit, um, give a brief introduction of yourself. Uh, I invited you to come on tonight. Tell people a little bit why you wanted to talk about this subject in particular. What are your plans for the weekend, and what do you think about aliens and angels? Is there a connection there, or, or give, give us what you think, uh, Austin? Uh, I'll try to be brief <laughs> if that's possible. Um, 
No, uh, I, I, I relate with the brother over there and with you being tired. I've just had a baby. Uh, my name is Austin Ryan Griffin. Um, I live in Fort Worth, Texas. I've done ministry for the last uh, eight years of my life. I uh, just had a, a, a baby, so we're going through that. She's only a month old, so kind of relate on the being tired and uh, exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I just want you to know I'm very appreciative that you just uh, thought to invite me on. Um, I think the topic, uh, it's not only important, but it needs to be talked about because I see a lot of Christians uh, buying into kind of this historic channel, ancient aliens, and they're buying into these presuppositions, this, this, basically this theology that's false and it's leading people astray. Uh, and I think that's a weak point that most Christians do not uh, dive into uh, and kind of um, – uh, with a robust faith and and kind of deal with some of those presuppositions, some of that falsehood there, and because I guess it's taboo to the normal, I guess, theological, orthodox uh, Christian, I guess. And so I think it needs to be talked about. I think there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of ahistorical um, notions going on. I think it needs to be addressed through a biblical, thorough worldview and a, and a robust theology, and I think it also can be uh, fun at the same time. Let me ask you this. Do you think the concept of aliens comes from an atheistic worldview or a natural materialistic worldview? Or is, I mean, because we do have some people, you know, Bible-believing Christians that hold to the, you know, they, they believe in aliens or, or they acknowledge their existence. What, what do you think about those Christians? And, and do they need to do more research or is there something here? Well, or what do you think about that? As far as the epistemological worldview it comes from, um, I don't. It could definitely be either one of those. I think I would lean towards more naturalistic, materialistic worldview, mm-hmm. um, and and I don't. I don't. I also don't uh, disagree that it could be a, just a, a purely uh, atheistic worldview, being that they use that as justification to disprove God and a whole lot of other notions that are antithetical to Scripture. So it could be either or. I don't know if I can pin each each or. I think it's on an individual basis. But however, um, yeah, I, I, I think Christians just need to be a little more studied. I, I think sure. they do not need to be lax on the history channel. Uh, they need to uh, filter everything, and I mean everything, through a biblical worldview and, and don't be afraid to – to be um, uh, discerning and skeptical at the same time, uh, just hopeful and leaning on the scriptures. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, I think Christians do need to look into this uh, a little apologetically and uh, be sure. as well as other things, be measuring everything up to the canon of scripture uh, and seeing if it's consistent with a biblical worldview and what they know as truth and what's been uh, clearly revealed in scripture. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. So, Noah, um, let me just ask you real quick, brother. Do you think that there's a connection between angels and aliens, or what's your take on this? I, I don't know a whole lot. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know. I, the Bible doesn't talk about aliens, right? So I don't really—the the, the only reference is worlds being plural, and so I suppose one could take that to mean aliens. Angels, on the other hand, are referenced a handful of times, and I—, I, I I guess what I would suffice to say is that angels are the most perfect worshipers of God in existence, right? And so I think a lot of times we talk about angels as if they're here to serve us or help us, but really the reality is that they are there to serve God and worship God. It just so happens that oftentimes they serve God and worship God by helping humanity.
they minister, right? We see in the Bible where angels come down to minister to Jesus whenever he's just just so perplexed. And it's amazing. Like, they are ministering spirits, right? And I wish, here's the thing, Michael Heiser, Dr. Michael Heiser has a book called The Unseen Realm, and there's sometimes I wish it wasn't so unseen. You know, like, I would love to just be able to interact with an angel like Abraham did or Joseph or whatever. But I'm just, you know, like I said, I just wanted to get everybody's opinion before we really uh, dived into this. But let, let's go ahead and jump in. I've got a uh, article here from the Washington Post. And so the reason that we're doing our 50th episode on angels and aliens, well, let me just let me just read the article. The title is How UFO Sightings Went from Joke to National Security Worry in Washington. In 2007, Senate Majority Leader Harry M. Reid called his colleagues Ted Stevens, and I know I'm going to butcher this last name, but Daniel Inouye, uh, to a specially secured room in the Capitol where highly classified information was discussed. Stevens, a Republican from Alaska, and uh, Daniel, a Democrat from Hawaii, controlled funding for super-secret Pentagon operations. Reed wanted to put an idea on their radar, one that needed to be kept hush-hush, not just for national security, because it was, as Reed's, or as Reed's aides told him, kind of crazy. He wanted the Pentagon to invest, quote, UFOs. Quote, Everyone told me this would cause me nothing but trouble, said Reed, a Democrat who represented Nevada, home of the military's top-secret Area 51 test site, a central attraction of sorts of UFO hunters. And we all know last year, I think it was last year or the year before, everyone had the big Area 51 raid, and it turned into a big block party. Um, so maybe, so kind of foreshadowing into the episode a little bit, I know Ty and I are going to talk about how this might be a bit of a distraction for what is actually going on in like with the left, with, with, with the political left. But we'll get into that here in a little bit later. Uh, I'll continue. Uh, Reed quote, uh, this is Reed's quote here. He says, but I wasn't afraid of it. And I guess time has proven me right, bringing up UFOs to the Pentagon. The article continues, that's because official uh, Washington and swirling and with chatter among top senators, Pentagon insiders, and even former CIA directors about UFOs. What was once a ticket to the political loony bin has leaped off Hollywood screens and out of the science fiction novels and into the national conversation. There are even new government abbreviations. So, I mean, the article goes on, uh, but I want to read just because... Uh, Barack Obama uh, actually commented on this, and I think it's really interesting what he says here. Uh, it says, former president, uh, and I'll link all of these articles, um, I'll link you guys to them in the description of this video, so check this out. Uh, it says, former president Barack Obama on Monday told talk show host James Corden that videos taken by U.S. military pilots and others showed unidentified flying objects that, quote, and now this is Obama here, quote, we don't know exactly what they are. Obama, speaking to Corden on The Late Late Show, said that U.S. government officials are not sure what the videos are capturing and can't explain how those objects can dart and move in the way they do. Quote, uh, this is Obama again, what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, is that there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. End quote. Uh, 
well, he goes on, we can't explain how they moved, their trajectory. They did not have an easily explainable pattern, Obama continued. Obama joked with Corden that one of the first things he did after being sworn in as president was to ask if there was a secret lab he needed to know about that was collecting information about aliens. Quote, when I came into the office, I asked, is there a lab somewhere where we're keeping the alien specimens and spaceships? Uh, they did a little bit of research, and the answer is no, he joked. Obama's appearance Monday came after 60 Minutes report that saw the former director of the Defense Department's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program acknowledge the possible existence of UFOs. And the article continues. If you guys want to read it later, uh, you can. But let's start with Ty. Ty, brother, what what do you think about all this? So this is coming out into the public now. There's things possibly. Now, let me be fair. Let me interject real quick. I sent you guys, I sent all of you a video that this guy did, and uh, his name's escaping me at, at the moment, but he actually goes Thunderfoot. Uh, YouTube, and funny, I know, right? But uh, YouTube Thunderfoot, okay? And I, I'll link it again. But this guy goes into these videos that they're showing on, you know, on TV, on CNN, on Fox, on everywhere. And what's really interesting is that there's a guy, another guy that Thunderfoot looked at, he actually takes these images, right, um, from F, you know, fighter jets and helicopters and all these different military equipment, and he can somehow, some way, change the effect from what, what you're actually looking at. So in infrared, it looks totally different than what it would normal. So, Ty, I don't know if you saw that video or not, but like I said, brother, what do you think about all of this? There's there's some evidence and there's some counter-evidence. Where is this all leading, and, and, and what do you think the purpose is bringing this out now um, when there are, you know, ultimately more important things to discuss within our government? What do you think now? Yeah, I have a few thoughts, and let's see if I can get them all straight. The first thing I would say <laughs> is, you know, we, we have the Hubble Space Telescope that is able to show us things that are billions of miles away, millions, billions, light years away. We could see clear pictures of other galaxies, the surface of planets. We are on Mars right now. We have a rover on Mars right now showing us stuff. And yet when it comes to UFOs, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, you name it, we can't get a clear picture of any of that. Mm. And so it's weird that here in 2021, we still can't actually get solid evidential proof in in a clear picture of these things that we have claimed existed for for centuries now. Well, you, you know? know why? You know why we can't get a clear picture, right? Because the aliens are so advanced that they manipulate our cameras, so that, we can't. I true. mean, come on. That's true. So, so what's Bigfoot's uh, excuse? But <laughs> Fair enough. He's just elusive. But anyway, we're talking right, about aliens, right. Ty, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think the, the second thing I would go with before I get into the, to the politics is yeah. really, you know, as uh, Austin said, I mean, you have to match it up to Scripture. If we are going to call ourselves Bible-believing Christians, we mm -hmm. have to match up all this stuff with, crypt with Scripture. Amen. And so we obviously know God created everything, mm -hmm. and that includes angels, and we have Satan and his angels who fell and yep. became the, the what we know as demons and all that. But there was something I said in the group chat before this started, and Tyler, you referenced it before the show started too. It's this whole thing. What points us to God, what points us to Christ, and what doesn't? 
And if anything points us away from Christ, if anything points us away from the truth of the gospel, it is not holy. It is demonic. And so in this whole topic of angels and demons is nowhere in scripture does an angel ever appear to somebody and confuse them. The angels are frightening. I mean, they do not be afraid is usually what they say, but they never confuse anybody. They never lead somebody in a weird direction. They're, they, they come bearing. That is, that is not entirely biblically accurate. So Uh was it Absalom? Uh, Maybe I'm, maybe that, but there's a king. He went, he, he died in a chariot, in a a chariot full of blood. um, And he, and there, and God had asked, uh, is there anybody or is there, are there any spirits that are willing to go deceive him? And one of the spirits said, I will go, I will go deceive him. And God said, you'll be successful mm-hmm. in that and then presented and then, and then lied to i think it was abs- ab- i can't i can't i guess I, I could be wrong on the name but uh in first kings or samuel i know like I, yeah i know what you're i know exactly what you're talking about Noah. um i can't remember off the top of my head the, but yes there's something something like, he will be a, a lying a, a lying spirit mm-hmm. okay so let's shift it a little bit in so absalom the he was a wicked man and so we have that that um, deception there for mm-hmm. for God's will. But I, I I guess I was referring to people like Mary and mm-hmm. Jacob and you know those people where where there was a very clear instruction of what was going on mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, I mean, I, so I guess yeah, there there are times when God frustrates the plans of the wicked and He uses His means, obviously there. So yeah, mm-hmm. but Just, I, but. I, I, that can so, I underline the yeah the the spirit was still doing God's will. So I, yes. I don't know if what you meant by it was basically the, the demons don't come. I mean, angels do not come and confuse people and lead people away from Christ. Correct. Uh, however, would, judgment judgment would be that an angel comes and gives people spirit of stupors and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but however, was that a demon though? Right, and that's kind of the point I was going to, so I got the text in front of me. It's First Kings twenty two nineteen through 23, what we're talking about, if you guys want to follow along, who's uh, our listeners. And so in verse 19, it says, And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing, back, standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth, uh, Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another then a spirit came forward and stood before the lord saying i will entice him and the lord said to him by what means and he said i will go out and i will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets and he said you are to entice him and you shall succeed go out and do so now therefore behold the lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these of all these your prophets the Lord has declared disaster for you. So my thoughts on this, so I hold to, and maybe we can go back and forth on this a little bit, but I hold to Michael Heiser's divine counsel theory. And basically what that is, you read his book, Unseen Realm, he goes into it a lot better than I'm, I'm about to. But what we think is happening here, the, picture a council, and we have spirits, we have Satan's, even like in Job, for example, whenever the Satan came up to Job or, or went to God, and we all know how that story pans out. So I think this is what's happening. I don't think a holy angel um, would do this, right? I don't think a holy angel would lie. Lying is sinful, right? But yet, God can use evil to bring about good. I'm a firm believer in that wholeheartedly. So my, so that's just my theory on kind of what's happening with here. You on that one, I would agree with that. 
Right. So, uh, Austin, do you want to add anything to that? Or Noah, do you want to add anything uh, to kind of what I was just saying there? What? what no, thank you for okay. the correction. That, that was exactly what I was thinking of, so it was an absolute... I, I, but I know, you know, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I just had no idea where it was. Um, but, Austin, what are you... Um, agree, disagree? I, I what the, do you... Mm-hmm. Uh, I hold to the same view as far as sure. like the judges and Psalms, the divine council. I, I, I and, you know, and you know, Paul kind of, I don't know if this is what you mean by that, but I think Paul, I, I do believe in the divine council. Uh, I don't want to yeah. call it a theory, but I think it's scriptural. Uh, yeah. I think Paul even alludes to it in, his, in the new Testament. So I, you know, I, I think to make a, a statement, whether it, w- it was an evil spirit or a good spirit, I, I don't think we're on grounds of solid exit. Jesus at that point, I think it's just speculation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, however, though, it is kind of a uh, a challenge. Just can a holy can a holy uh, angel lie? That, that's a tough one. I, I definitely see your logic. I I was stand I stand with you on your logic. I understand the argument. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. I, I it is interesting though. So I don't I don't I don't think scripture is exactly super clear on that right. particular subject. But however, uh, I think to the initial point, I think angels don't. Uh, I think I think. Uh, demons, I think, if by the very nature of a demon, that is to deceive, uh, to, to, to do with the will of uh, Satan, that is, mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's going to be a unique uh, function that they function in, and uh, and so I, I get the earlier point, and I, I agree with the earlier point too. So I agree all around. Um, uh, very interesting. I don't know if I have anything else to add to that. <laughs> right, right. Ty, do you want to add anything else to that, or? Yeah, I I um I agree with that. I lean obviously more towards the fact that I don't think anything holy can sin and sure. lying is a sin. And so yeah, it, the Bible even says there are things God can't do and one of that is lie because God cannot sin. So mm-hmm. if if a lying spirit was sent to somebody, I don't think it was a holy spirit, but like Tyler, like you said God uses evil to his will. Right. Right. Absolutely. So let me see what you guys kind of think about this. I don't know if you actually went, you know, kind of did the research, but we see there. So there are early paintings, there are cave paintings, there are even Sumerian tablets, right, that mention things like the Anunnaki. Ty, are you familiar? Or Ty and Austin, are you guys familiar with what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I've seen all the episodes. Great, great, great. great. Okay. (laughs) So. Anunnaki, we all know, or well, I don't know if we all know the story or not, but basically, long story short, Anunnaki lives on planet X. They come down, you know, make humans their slaves. These are the gods. They're actually angels, um, you know, like fallen angels. I would make a connection with Enoch there. But but that's kind of the summary, a lot more research to be done on this. So if you guys want to, t- you know, kind of take it from there. Uh, what do you all think about the Sumerian Babylonian tablets, um, Ugaritic text? I've- Go ahead. I mean, if I could just blast off, honestly, Please. I think they they were definitely pagan. Uh, that is what you get when Romans one is in full effect and sin is rampant, and they the creature worships the creation rather than the creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, I don't see much of a huge difference on what's on our TVs and what's what do we worship and what they got going. I mean, it's 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 a pagan materialistic worldview. Uh, it's demonic, and there is a lot of speculation, but there really isn't any solid archaeological fact about the Anunnaki. As much as uh, as the great funding that 
the History Channel, which is unfortunately the teacher of this generation, um, has. They got great funding, great production. However, um, if you just you just listen to what they're actually saying, it is it's quite honestly it's just very bad ahistorical archaeology. And there's a lot of speculation into that that has you know these presuppositions that hey we're you know they came down they genetically engineered us. Mm-hmm. Um, all that is a and, and I'm going to just say this, this is what I hold to. The whole premise of this conversation is an attack on the doctrine of God as creator. Mm-hmm. And fundamentally, anything that can be pushed into a realm of knowledge that most people are ignorant about um, to use to dupe others to adopting some other presuppositional uh, premise or epistemological understanding of God, nature, mm-hmm. us, humans – Right. It's going to be pushed, and I, if if you ask me, I think all this is just a denial of God as the Creator, and I think uh, I think they're pushing hard for that, really pushing hard. I I agree 100. percent The government wants you to worship them, right? I mean, that's who the, the government wants you to rely on. The government and most of our government, you know, is left leaning atheist, and so yeah, I think yes, Marx the- Marx said, uh, "My golden life is to destroy capitalism." to dethrone God and enthrone the state. And I think uh, we're on that trajectory, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Ty, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I agree completely. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, so I've always held to the idea of, you know, you have these different, obviously the famous ones, Zeus and Thor yep. and all that kind of stuff. Of course, that's mm-hmm. demonic and idolatry and all that. Um, but yeah, same thing with, with aliens too. I mean, we have these so-called proofs of UFOs or these cave drawings or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, look at modern art now, some of the weird stuff that, that comes out of it. Sure. You know, people, people will believe anything that they think to be reality, whether there's evidence or proof or sound reasoning, reasoning or not. I mean, think about stuff people see when they're on psychedelic uh drugs or whatever their their oh, reality yeah. is is completely different than what it actually is and so i think that can lead a lot of people to believe in something that's not truly there and i think when it comes to aliens these unexplained things that we don't know there's the influence of hollywood and myth and all this kind of stuff that people connect these dots that have no uh reason to be connected but they automatically go to their presuppositions which is you know aliens or religion or myth or fantasy or whatever it it might be sure sure so i i I mean i agree 100 percent with you guys so i'm i'm kind of sitting here and let me know what you guys think about this so whenever i think about zeus and greek mythology egyptian mythology sumerian mythology all of these different things there's a lot of similarities and whenever i read genesis 6 you know where where all of we we hear about fallen angels coming down teaching men and women their arts and and enoch though not biblical well actually it depends on who you ask whether first uh, enoch is biblical because to my, i think um ah they're escaping me now somebody has uh, enoch in their scriptural canon um ethiopians orthodox, orthodox i know is it the Oh, okay. Eastern or East is it Eastern Orthodox? I think. Yeah, maybe? yeah. Eastern Could Orthodox. Be. Fair enough. So, so here's my thing. Whenever I read Enoch, and and again, I don't hold Enoch to be um, biblical canon. I don't. But whenever I see it, 
and I see the similarities between Enoch and Genesis 6, I start to think and I start to ask myself, if this is true, this would look exactly like what the Greeks saw. This would look like exactly what the uh, Egyptians saw, Sumerians, all of these different, you know, greater things greater entities out there who could lie and deceive. You know, we are your gods, right? I think, and, and, and again, this ain't a hill I'm willing to die on or anything like that, but there could be a connection between Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology, and Genesis 6 and Enoch. Ty, um, Enoch, I, 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 Enoch I, and aliens, man. Is, is there a connection? I, I don't know. Be, the reason I, I okay. don't, I'm not sure about going too far in that direction is because of the the mythology of the book of Enoch and the mm-hmm. all you know we're not sure and all that kind of stuff obviously Protestants don't hold to Enoch being scripture right. if we're going to go to it and all that kind sure. of stuff and there's a lot of debate on who the sons of God and the daughters of men are in in Genesis 6 too and that's absolutely a debate for a whole nother time I don't I don't feel too confident commenting on something like that other than the fact that i i would say that a lot of these mythologies came from demonic influence yeah uh, I, and I, go ahead go ahead Austin. i definitely have something to add yeah um please now i'll play i don't like this phrase but i'm going to use it for the for the conversation i'll play devil's advocate and this is a theory that i've heard actually um and i'm going to go far out there however i have no confidence and no footing where i'm going so uh it's <laughs> definitely not scriptural <laughs> um, Fair but enough. however just just to just to clarify like i've heard this position yeah. this theory that there was basically the sons of man came um and and they came in such a way that deceived people after them they deceived people and and people naturally being the idolaters that they are they <laughs> They worship them as gods, and and I used to think that early on. I mean, like really early on, like in my new believer stage, and I used to think that could have been a possibility. However, though the argument could seem to hold some bag uh, or some water of logic and plausibility, right. I cannot base uh, solid uh, truth on that because it's it, it, there's a lot of inconsistencies in it as well. Especially sure. scripture just absolutely does not support it but but to sit there and say that it's not plausible i think that's that's intellectually dishonest as well i think it could it could be a possibility but but i mean i don't uh i mean scripture just that's again that's going not even tertiary that's just that's just left field um and so i I don't i don't necessarily have anything to add to it but i've heard that theory where angels came down but just a simple like off the rip common sense question how come it's not happening now then Mm -hmm. right and so that little stuff like that i think about but i've but i've heard that yeah i'm with you on that one that's usually where i go to it's why doesn't happen now (laughs) yeah yeah that that's a very interesting question and to be honest with you guys one that i haven't thought of you know like why isn't it happening now that's true so let's let's kind of shift gears then just for just for a minute. And then I want to jump on Aleister Crowley because this dude is just, he's very interesting, first of all, but very, I mean, just, I mean, he, he got the name, the wickedest man in the world. So this dude was not a good guy by any means whatsoever. Very wicked, very, very horrible guy. But let me ask you guys this, where do we go in the Bible to show or or do we have to start somewhere else? But but let me just finish my question. Where do we go in the Bible to show 
people, to show either Christians or unbelievers, may be struggling with this concept of angels, aliens, or, or even you know aliens or whatever, where do we go in Scripture to show them comfort in God? And, 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 and any one of you guys can jump on that. So Ty, Austin, feel free. Austin, I'll let you take on that one first. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no pressure. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so I, assuming the question assumes that someone is being discomforted, or you, yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, because office. because from the way the articles, so uh, let me let me elaborate a little bit. From the way that the articles are written, you know, there's there's a threat now, and all these different things. People, I mean, I'm assuming that there are some people that may be freaking out about this a little bit. Where? So where do we go in Scripture just to show comfort in general to people that, that are struggling with really anything, uh, to be honest? I mean, we're, 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 we have a suffice canon for this. Uh, no. I, so I, 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 where would I go immediately? Where, yeah, where do you, off the where top do of my head, go? it's like Colossians mm. one sixteen. Like just off just, – just in my knee-jerk reaction. Yep. However, that's not always the best reaction. So, you know, you're looking at Colossians. You're looking at John 1. I mean, you're looking at obviously – but for comfort, I, I would def, I definitely like Colossians for comfort. However, um, Ephesians 1 – is a great comforter uh, just because of all the doctrines that are packed into that predestination for not you name it. And, it, and I think that is um, I, I think establishing the reality that God created all things. Mm -hmm. So if I could hypothetically say there's life out there, mm -hmm. right? There's life out there in space um, that would not shake my worldview, not a little bit. And so I would try to get them to I would try to get them to remind them how robust their their worldview actually is. And I would I would go to Ephesians one. I would go to Colossians one, Colossians two. I would go to Romans. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot of places that I could go, uh, but Colossians is one of the it immediately jumps at it. And once you establish yeah. the reality that hey, anything that's out there that is created. It's not only been created for been created by God, but it's for God mm -hmm. and for his glory, and he's holding it together. Mm -hmm. So if so let's just hypo, let's use hypotheticals as a, a bad presupposition, but I'm gonna say it. Sure. If angels come in and destroy an if angels or aliens come and destroy a nation, it's only by God's decree yes. such would happen. Amen. Amen. But so, but yeah. but however, comfort them in God's decree that in 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 Ephesians and in Colossians were my knee-jerk reaction. Now, just to say for the record, I do not believe angels are going to come destroy. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that's where I would go just off the— Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah. But so but here's— think... Yeah, Ty, go ahead. Oh, I, I, and I would go off of that. Of course, I agree with that. And I yep. would also look at the verses that shows the sovereignty of God over his creation. You know, you yes. have Amen. Job 38, which is one of my favorite— favorite chapters of entire scripture where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurement surely you know obviously god is is not saying this because he wants an answer from job he's he's declaring to job that it is me it is i who hold all things together it is i who made everything and hold it together but specifically when it comes to space as most people that's where aliens come from Mm -hmm. You know, I see this uh, Job thirty-eight thirty-one. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? I mean, God is sovereign mm -hmm. even over space and the con 
constellations and the stars and everything beyond and that comes from it. Yes. And also this, this whole idea, one thing I thought of too, is people, I don't think there are many people that deny that there could be life outside of earth. You know, sure. they're microorganisms or whatever. You that's know, what I was I'll, about I'll to ask, quote. yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I was about to ask. Was you talking about like simple, like simple life, like microbes and you know, like amoeba type so, things? So that's where I'm going. So yeah. a lot of people, when it comes to what our minds go to when it comes to aliens, they'll use intelligent life. Mm-hmm. And I, ne- I never like that term because dogs are intelligent, oh. but they're not knowledgeable per se. So sure. when it comes, dogs cannot have an understanding of Christ and his sacrifice and his atonement for sins or anything like that, but they're intelligent. They can learn commands and nature and all that kind of stuff where human beings have knowledge. We are given knowledge and wisdom of God. And so we have this understanding of him by his grace. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to aliens per se, I mean, a alien dog is still an alien, you know, but I think that one of the things that we consider is, are, is there knowledgeable life out there? Is there is there creatures that have the ability to understand God and his creations and all that? I think that's one direction we can go with it. And I don't know where I was going with that, but I just... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's natural that the Imago Dei comes up. Yes. I think it's yeah. natural that the image of God comes up. Because fundamentally, if we're in the image of God... Uh-huh. No, nothing else is. Exactly. Uh-huh. Other image bearers... You know, and and sure. and then then you you know uh, then you go off on a you know you, rabbit trail that you'll slip and fall on. But yeah, yeah Imago Day is natural. I, I think yeah. that should definitely come up. I I agree hundred percent. And the Bible is clear: man, mankind is made in the image of God. Period. In the subject. And let's, and let's even take it a step further too. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, when when God paraded the animals before Adam so he could give them names. Do I think that God paraded every microorganism and, you know, little amoeba? Yeah, amoebas and coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, I I, I don't think so. But if, you know, we're going to take that as every kind of animal because we have more kind because in breeding and all that kind of stuff now, but every kind, that would, to me, the logical way would be like, okay, well, if God created kinds of animals in space too, that would fit into that. Right, right, and that, the, you, right. It doesn't say that God brought every species before mm-hmm. before Adam. Right. It, it, I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent with what you're saying, Ty. Um, so to kind of switch, but not really, because I asked you both, where would you go for comfort in the Bible? I would go to Romans eight. And Romans eight thirty one, just hear it. This is where, first of all, Romans eight one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But check out thirty one if you haven't heard Romans eight in a while. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge, or who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died. And more than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who also is interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Now I'm going to add a little bit here. Will angels, or will aliens separate us from the love of God? Will trouble? Will distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? 
as it is written, for your sake, we encounter death all day long. We were considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, parentheses aliens, nor heavenly rulers, nor things, now check that one out though, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation. Anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all of creation. Now, yes, all of this context is about uh, salvation, right? But that is where Christians find their comfort. Looking at Jesus in his death, or his life, his death, and his resurrection, and our hope that he will come back. That is our hope. He is our hope, should I say. And nothing else, whether alien or angel or demon or whatever you want to call them, they cannot separate us from God's love. So don't be afraid. Don't be frightened that the that you know people are talking about oh we ha- we have a threat god is in the, god is in control god is on the throne and nothing nothing will happen that he is not in full control of so rest in that rest rest in god i mean i don't know how else to say it other than that rest in God and don't let Jesus said it the best. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today's troubles are enough. Stop worrying about aliens coming back and taking over the world. It ain't going to happen, I don't think. And if it does, if it does, it's from God and it's for good. It's from God and it's for good. Ty, any thoughts? Well, my my thoughts to, you know, uh to that is absolutely. I mean, we we have to have faith in God. But if I if I can kind of push back a little bit on, on something, you Please. know, we we can hear that and think, okay, that's great. But that doesn't mean you know there's not going to be war, and that doesn't mean aliens can't come. Mm-hmm. But we trust God through that, right? You know, yes. And you know, I I know there's some argument out there probably that would say like, oh, well, what about the angels in Revelation that come and bring the disasters? You know, alien right. invasion there. <laughs> But no, I that's obviously a joke, but right. I don't know. To some people, I don't know, but <laughs> well sorry. Uh Austin, any what I mean, comfort, I mean, this is where we find comfort, right? Like I in definitely have something I definitely Please. have something to add to that. Yes. I had asked that my elder uh because I'm specifically I've been studying on rest in Christ. Mm. Uh and and that's interesting that you you brought that up, and and my elder broke it down to me. I, you know, I was talking about rest and breaking down a sermon, and he said we had, our rest is primarily in Christ and His substitutionary sacrifice. And then as we work and strive, and we suffer hard times, and we fight the good fight of faith, we have an incentive, a reward incentive for the kingdom to come, and we rest knowing that it is coming. So whatever is the avenue that God sovereignly ordains us to walk through to get to the coming kingdom, mm-hmm. we rest knowing that our, we are sealed and the kingdom is coming, and we will uh, have our rewards in Christ. Uh, but I definitely want to add to kind of just – I want to make, make an observation uh, about Romans 8. 
Um, Because if you notice, Paul goes out of his way, especially in the Greek, he goes out of his way to make sure he mentions everything in the realm of creation. Yes. He covers everything in the realm of creation. However, though, our God is transcendent above creation. Uh, and and that's where I would agree with my, with my brother about the, the the text about God's sovereignty and what, what whatever we have to go through. I love the Daniel four and seventeen. It, it says in order that the living may know that the Most High is the ruler over the realm of mankind. Uh, you know, often people would use that as kind of maybe a reformed argument, uh, but everything is in the realm of man of creation besides God. Mm-hmm. Right. So unless something can be transcendent and et cetera, et cetera, then you get into polytheism. No, there's no one. That's why, that's why there's such weight behind Romans 8 when it says it's God who justifies. Because mm-hmm. there's no one above him. He's the final decision, and we know how he made that decision through his son. And so that comfort is that whatever is in the realm of creation, suffering, angels that come destroy everything, or demons, or whatever have you, uh, aliens – Uh, That comfort is that your salvation and your future kingdom and longing is sealed up in the decree of Christ, and it is accomplished. And so, like that rest, uh, I think is 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 I think you find rest in that, and specifically those verses. Amen. I think we find rest in that, and I think we grow. So, so to go back to what Ty said, I think we grow in persecution. I know we grow in persecution, right? We are being conformed to the image. Of Christ, right? All his children, all his adopted children are being conformed to this image one degree, you know, one degree after another. And so Peter, I just want to read one more Bible verse, and then if we have time, we'll get into a little bit of Aleister Crowley. I know we haven't talked about him, um, but I do, I, I do because Scripture is more important than Aleister Crowley, let's just be honest. But here's Peter, and this is First Peter, and I'm just going to read verses 1 uh, until I stop. But this is about suffering. This is about persecution. These are what these people are going through at this time. And I just want our listeners to hear Peter's words again. If you haven't read First Peter in a while, it's always a good refresher to actually you know, go through not just one verse, but to actually get the context of what's going on. So let's get Peter here, and then we'll start winding down a little bit um, and, and bringing the gospel out a little bit more uh, for the last of our conversation. So from from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those temporar- temporarily residing abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, the province of Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by being set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for sprinkling with Jesus Christ's blood. May grace and peace be yours in full measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you, who by God's power are protected through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. This brings you great joy, although you may have to suffer for a short time in various trials. Such trials. Now, here's Peter's explanation of why we are suffering. Hear hear him out. Verse 7. Such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold. So why do we suffer? To show our faithfulness. Such trials show the proven character. Of your, that's one element of it anyway. There's more, um, which is more, much more valuable than gold. Gold that is tested by fire 
uh, even though it is passing away, and will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. You have not seen him, but you love him. You do not see him now, but you believe in him. And so you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy because you are attaining the goal of your faith, the salvation of of your souls. And so Ty, you know, and, and I know, like, like, I know you know this, so this ain't me talking at you, right? But whenever we suffer, for our listeners, whenever we suffer, we show the proven character of our faith. We rejoice, check this out, we rejoice in suffering. Why? Because what I said earlier, God can use evil to bring about good. And I don't know how, how, how good things cause people to suffer. They don't. We have evil beings for that. But what I'm trying to say is that even though we suffer, the reason we rejoice is because we know that that suffering is producing within us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of these elements in one way or another are shaped and are polished through struggles, through, um, through suffering. And so when that happens, like, like Peter said, gold that is tested by fire, that's the reason we suffer, to make us more like Jesus Christ. Austin, what do, what do you think about that? Well... Well, when you think you say something good and then you just read Peter, <laughs> you yeah. find out he said it's so much better. But so much. Abso- absolutely, I think I think all things flow from God's decree, uh, and I think yeah. uh, the reason why uh, proven and tested character is precious in the sight of God because it is God glorifying Himself through His sons in which He has purchased, uh, and um, it is God creating. I, I I love how Peter said, you know. Uh, I, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but it, yeah. he says, have you forgotten your, your, I mean, you've been washed from your former sins. And I know that's a horrible way to say it, but it, 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 or it, he stirred them up by the way of reminder. Um, I, I think, I think we should remember, especially in times of summer, uh, in times of suffering, uh, I'm a human. I've been born in a, fall, a fallen world. I've suffered. Uh, we have a tendency to forget our rest in Christ. Uh, but however, once we, once Peter speaks, you realize that God has a purpose and that purpose is ultimately to glorify his name. And through suffering, uh, that's God's glory is so uh, it's, it's such a treasure in our hearts as Christians that even when the apostles suffered, they leaped and sung with joy that they were accounted worthy to suffer for the gospel. Yeah. And, and just knowing that God is going to be glorified through this, uh, it, it, it brings joy and that is an impenetrable joy. It's a joy that's transcendent in Christ and uh-huh. as a fruit of the Spirit that is given to us. And I think that is, uh, I, I think it's awesome. However, uh, I, you know, I don't like suffering. So, yeah. um, you know, if I could have another way, it, it probably wouldn't be right. But, uh, you know, uh, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You know, it's fearful right. and, and God knows what he's doing. Right. I think it shows, because it, it's really mind-boggling, how can you rejoice? Like some, I just hear somebody, how can you rejoice when you're suffering, right? It's because Jesus gives a peace that the world can't. We have peace with God. We have peace with our Creator. And and so, Ty, let, let, me, let me put you on the spot for just a second if I can. 
if I'm listening to this right now and I hear, you know, things about suffering and, and, and all these things and I don't like it, it's kind of pushing me away, away from Christianity. Somebody is considering Christianity, but now they just heard us talk about suffering. Where do we go from there? Now, now I want to kind of lead this a little bit, but if you desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted, Paul says, right? And so do we have the expectation as Christians coming into this to suffer? Does that make sense? Do, do we have an expectation as Christians to suffer? Mm-hmm. If Absolutely. not now, but you know, if if not now, later, or maybe even as soon as we're born again, we could actually start suffering, right? But my point is, is that if we, a lot of people, and and I know we only have a few minutes remaining, but we only hear one side of the gospel. We only hear about God's love, and 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 the more I listen to different just videos on just on YouTube, just you know, searching around, nobody you know that we've had on the show or anything like that, but just different things, I hear a lot about God's love, but I don't hear a lot about God's wrath. And so suffering, and, and, and even though that's not God's wrath, it's still not fun for us by any means. So yeah, what, what do you say to someone who, was con- or who is considering Christianity, but, I don't know, might have a problem with suffering? I would say that suffering is just a part of living in a broken and fallen mm. world. And really, yeah. when it comes to being a Christian, a lot of people suffer when they get born again because they lose their friends that were there who were non-Christians. Their friends abandon them. Their family might abandon them for being a Christian, and that's mm-hmm. suffering. But it's but it's good. It's suffering for the for the sake of the gospel. And it doesn't mean you stop praying. It doesn't mean you're just like, okay, God, you know, just lay it on me. You know, you can pray, but pray in the right mindset. It's not necessarily. We can pray for suffering to cease, but I think it's also more important to pray for strength to endure the suffering and to endure it yes. in the name of Christ, that it's not our strength that gets us through, but it, in the end, it is glorifying to the Son that we suffered for him and his gospel and in his name. Suffering is a part of life, and we have to. I mean, we're people are people we know are going to die. That's suffering for us as well. We feel pain. We could suffer physically. We might have can we might get cancer or something like that happens. But the the point is where do we focus? Do we focus on Christ or do we focus on our current earthly problems? Because if we're Christians, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Christ. This is not our home. This is not our final place. It's not when we die yes. we rest in peace per se, mm-hmm. but we, we truly start living when we die, because we get to see our creator face to face. We get to bask in the glory of Christ. We get to worship him forever, and we will never know suffering again. So that's what I would say to somebody considering Christianity, is that mm -hmm. the sufferings of this world are, are, are temporary. Yeah, they are, and we're living for eternity. We are yes. uh, living for eternity. Austin, we got about thirty seconds left. What would you say just to somebody in closing who you know who is considering Christianity and and are wanting to know more about taking that first step? What would you recommend to them? About thirty seconds. In regards to suffering, um, um, I would want to warn them that there will be an ultimate and eternal suffering due to a yeah. just penalty in which they deserve. We all deserve. We, we've, we've sinned against an eternal being, and therefore the, 
the punishment that is justly due towards us is is eternal damnation. Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, Christianity is suffer temporarily, live for eternity. A life without Christ is suffer forever. Mm -hmm. And it's not only suffering here and now, it's suffering for eternity in hell. In, 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 in life, you're going to suffer, but our suffering is worth it. Our suffering brings glory, and our suffering has a purpose. And that's only Amen. in the Christian world. Amen. Trust Christ and live for eternity. This has been the Complete Center's Guide. I want to thank Austin and Ty for coming on. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. 